My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off all my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast15. If you're a parent, then you will know that parenting is super hard. It's the most chaotic rollercoaster of emotions. So much magic, but also a fairly hefty dose of challenge, learning and troubleshooting. This week, I am joined by the lovely Rosie Davidson, known on Instagram as Just Chill Mama. Rosie is a baby and toddler sleep expert and author to her brand new book that when you're listening today will be available for pre-order, the Just Chill Baby Sleep Book. Quite honestly, if you're a parent, then you need a little bit of Rosie in your life. So welcome, Rosie, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to pick your brains because as a parent myself and speaking to so many parents, I think sleep is probably one of the hottest topics that we talk about. It's like up there on the priority list as a new mum, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that everyone has difficulty with, um, is interested in improving. Um, We can just get, we can get a little bit obsessed with it as well. (laughs) That is so, so true. And, you know, guilty as charged, Rosie, when Finley was younger, I was definitely one of those that got obsessed with sleep because you're just so desperate and you end up comparing yourself to absolutely everybody, which is why your whole mantra of just chill. Yes. Um, And the fact that you just said everybody worries about it, which just takes a weight off any listening parent's shoulders that they are not alone, um, is a a really important message, I think, to to spread. So thank you. One of the first things, Rosie, that I wanted to ask you about is with sleep options, there's like so much out there, isn't there? So much oh God, and it's yeah. so conflicting. So we hear terms like co-sleeping, use of next to me crib, sleeping in pram, sleeping in cars, contact naps, all of these ways that parents may navigate a nap or a sleep for their baby. Are any of these better than others? Right, well, it's a minefield, isn't it? Isn't um, it? I think when you're a new parent, it can be quite confusing. Um, But first of all, I always say we do need to think about safe sleep. So um, in the UK, we have the Lullaby Trust, who are the baby sleep charity. Um, So if anyone's interested, you can go and check out all of their guidance. But they say, ideally, babies should sleep on a firm, flat mattress, which is clear of loose bedding and things like that. So that would either be a cot, a crib, a Moses bath 
basket um, or if you are sharing a bed with your baby there are safe bed sharing guidance guidelines um but you shouldn't have any bedding near your baby they should be on a clear flat mattress um with their own appropriate bedding um so you shouldn't have any kind of duvets and things like that on them or near them or pillows um so in terms of safety i think that's the first thing i always talk to parents about and that's the most important because we want to keep our babies safe um but in terms of other sleep and how especially I think for a lot of parents one of the challenging things is naps so getting them to nap in the day um, and fixating and worrying that if they don't nap in their cot or their crib that you're never going to get them to sleep in there and it's just you're doing something wrong please don't think that Um, I've heard other sleep experts or people online saying that sleep in a pram or a sling or a contact nap, whether you're cuddling to sleep and stuff, isn't um, as quality sleep. That's not true. Um, any any sleep counts. It all counts. It's all restorative. <clears throat> Your baby's getting the sleep that they need, however you get them to do it. So please, if anyone's worried about it, it is fine. Mm. Um, however they sleep. I would say sleeping in a car, you do need to just be a bit mindful um, that they're not um, restricting their airways and slumping forwards and things like that. And we don't want them sleeping in cars for long periods of time. Um, so the advice is once you're home or you're stationary, trying to move them to somewhere with a flat surface. Um, and we don't want them to sleep in um, bouncers um, and kind of swing chairs and things like that. Um, it's fine for your baby to fall asleep in one of those. But ideally, you try and transfer them as, as soon as you can. Um, it's to do with, <clears throat> excuse me, it's to do with the their positioning. And we don't want their airways to get restricted by accident um but them sleeping on you is fine and um, some people find that if they are working on improving their baby sleep um and perhaps they want to move away from co-sleeping or they want to change things they might find that focusing on at least one nap in their cot or their crib during the day might help at night but it's not essential i've known plenty of families where they sleep somewhere else completely different and they sleep well at night Mm. our babies you know I think we we as parents and you can definitely fall in that trap can't you of if I if I want to go out and do things then my baby's not going to be able to sleep because they're not in their crib so actually it's quite useful if your baby is able to sleep on you in a pram in a car etc and you aren't then just restricted to the house because I definitely fell in that trap of oh my goodness we've you know got to get them sleeping in the cot but that means that we can't ever go out because we have to go for those nap times I think for your mental health, it's really important to, I think it's important to have routine, but flexibility if you can. Now, I know for some people, they do have the opposite challenge in that their babies won't sleep anywhere other than their cot um, for various reasons. Sometimes refluxy babies, they might struggle in cars. A lot of them don't like sleeping in the car. Some of them might not like sleeping in the buggy. So it's always very individual. But if you are somebody who's able to be flexible, that's quite good. And also, if it's your second baby, for example, like me with my second, her morning nap was always in the buggy because we were doing the nursery run with my elder one. So it just works like that. But she did do most of her lunchtime naps in the cot. But sometimes I wanted to go and see a friend or go out for the day. And sometimes they might do their usual routine, but just on the go. And other days it might just all fall by the wayside and you just <laughs> you just take it as it comes. Oh, yeah, it's so important, isn't it? And taking some of that pressure off, which is what you talk about so yeah. brilliantly. Now, 
those nights, Rosie, those early newborn nights and, and days where the sleep deprivation really does just feel all consuming. And you can see why parents will desperately grasp it that you know that comparison or any information that may just help things a little bit because it feels like the hardest thing in the world what do you recommend that parents do to cope when it is that real tough time i would say the first thing and the most important thing is try and create a support network if you can now i appreciate in modern life we don't necessarily have a village of people to look after us sadly and you might live somewhere that's not that close to relatives or friends family but if you can create some kind of network, whether that's somebody else in the same position, whether that is um, a friend or family member who has offered to help and you say, do you know what? I really would love some help today. Maybe you've had a really bad night um, and maybe they come around and help you so you can have a shower and um, prioritizing your needs. So you might have a you may have not slept, but saying, do you know what? I can bring the baby into the bathroom with me, <clears throat> put them in a bouncer while I have a shower. So you're making sure, you know, you are looking after yourself, you are eating. And if you're ba- you have someone who you have, if you're someone who has a baby, he won't stop crying. It's really, really hard. But just saying, do you know what? I'm here. I'm with them. I'm going to have a five to 10 minute shower while I can supervise them. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to try and rest. And my, I'm a really big believer of getting out. So if in doubt, get out. I always say this. So actually, and the other one is get out or get in the water. So if you've got an unsettled baby or you're really tired, getting out in the natural light, some fresh air, even if it's just a 10 minute walk around the block. Mm. Um, and I found this postnatally, um, even recovering from um, a vaginal birth or a C-section, you obviously, you, you might not feel like walking very far, but just five minutes or just even just nipping your head out of the door, just to feel the air on your on your skin, the sun on your skin, if there's sun, it might be cold and cloudy. Um, <laughs> the but wind, just the a rain. change of scene out of the same four walls, I mm. think is really important. So basically looking after yourself, getting fresh air, getting support when you can, even if that might be, it depends what you're like. So I was talking about this on my Instagram the other day, um, how... I always felt really out of control when the house was really untidy and I wanted to clean, but, you know, I was recovering from a C-section with two other kids. It's like, realistically, I'm not going to be cleaning the house. But my thing is, I'm like, right, if you feel like you have, you need to do something before you can relax, just focus on one room. Just be like, right, I'm just going to do a couple of minutes of just tidying up. And then each day you focus on a different room. Um, and also, if you have somebody who might, offer kindly to do your vacuuming or something or even if you could hire a cleaner like once a month or once every six weeks can make a really big difference Mm. um so that's like the practical stuff but in terms of sleep I think don't underestimate the power of light and dark so with newborns about getting out that is a really a really good thing for you and your baby So trying to get your baby, your newborn exposed to natural light in the day. Mm. So when newborns are first born, they're they're born nocturnal. So a lot of them have night and day completely mixed up. Such a design fault, isn't it? Like, why why haven't we made that better? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very frustrating for so many parents. So during the day, lots of natural light exposure. 
Um, that might not even be going out. Even just putting them near to a window can really help. And then at night, keeping it dark. So I know if you might be struggling with feeding, whether that's breastfeeding or bottle feeding, um, you need to see what you're doing. I really recommend recommend an amber light so I have um, a recommendation of an amber reading light they're not expensive at all to keep things nice and dark during the night mm. amber light doesn't disturb our sleep as much as blue and white light so it can be a really big difference between your baby being and you being awake for quite a long time the ideal scenario is babies obviously wake to feed and we need to change them and stuff the ideal scenario is that you can go back to sleep quickly and I think that's really key. I always thought that with all of mine, if I was able to go back to sleep quickly, the night didn't actually feel too bad. It's when you're awake for hours. Um, so light can play a big part in that. Um, and also bearing in mind during the day, you might have a baby who's sleeping really well and for really long naps. That's fine, but you don't want them to sleep through feeds. So I would, there's this... <laughs> myth of never waking a, waking a sleeping baby I disagree with that I think you want to wake them regularly through the day so that they are feeding and not you don't really want your newborn sort of sleeping for more than three hours in the day at a time mm -hmm. so you can make sure they're feeding that makes sense because presumably otherwise they're just a bit peckish at night um, yeah, and they're going to yeah. wait more for feeds which is what we're kind of kind of trying to avoid as things as they get a bit older so we yeah. can all get a little bit more kip um really useful Rosie. and actually it makes sense what you say about the light thing because we know don't we that if we use screens before bed it's not good for our sleep so the yes. kind of white lights that are traditionally in our light bulbs is is essentially the same isn't it for our babies i suppose yeah yeah Makes sense. We just we just haven't linked the two, so that's super super helpful. Um, the other term we hear all the time, and I'm sure if you are a parent to a baby over three months, you have to Google this at some point, is sleep regression. What on earth are they? Can we avoid them, or is it inevitable? Oh, the old sleep regression. I think there's so much fear around it mm. um, and misinformation. So, sleep regression. I really don't like this term because That's very negative, doesn't it? Yeah. The concept of a regression actually in pediatrics is something quite serious. It's a loss of a skill. Your baby it isn't losing a skill. So there is only one regression of sorts, which is around four months. I say around because it can actually happen um, way before that or a little bit afterwards. So I tend to say between sort of three to six months on average, there's a change in the way your baby sleeps. This isn't something negative. They're not losing a skill, although it might feel like it. <laughs> Some of them you won't even notice a difference. And then, you know, you might be waiting for the day they turn four months enough. There's no perceived change. However, you might discover that your baby is more wakeful. They, um, they're also more alert. They, they kind of wake up around this time as well. Um, and some of them get a bit of FOMO. <laughs> they like to be seeing what's going Involved. on. Um, the way that they sleep changes biologically and their sleep cycles become more like an adult. So this can result in um, more waking at night, shorter naps. You might find that they're harder to settle, all these kind of things. Mm. But it doesn't mean that they're broken. It doesn't mean that things won't get better and that you can't improve things. Um, this is the only sleep regression. Now, a lot of people talk about sleep regressions at other ages. And I think it's a bit misleading because biologically nothing else changes. But we do have um, developmental changes. And this 
these can happen at any time. So children are on a trajectory where they are developing all the time mm. um, on a slightly different timeline. But there are certain ages where we tend to see changes. So like average kind of ages of crawling, walking, talking, all these kind of things. Um, those things can affect sleep. And ideally, it's just a temporary blip sometimes. Other things can affect sleep like illness. And we can't plan for that. That could be kind of, and this winter has been just brutal oh, for everyone. <laughs> um, we've had so many bugs and viruses mm. and those can really wreak havoc on sleep. Um, things like starting nursery, moving home, new siblings, potty training, um, going on holiday, all these things can affect sleep. So basically try not to worry about it because your path might look very different to somebody else's and if you're talking to somebody you know says oh we're going through like I don't know an eight month regression or this regression or that regression try not to get caught up in it because first of all you might not notice anything different about your baby second of all they might not follow the same path um and thirdly if you do want to work on it you can work on improving your baby's sleep really at any age um and I think from four months and up you have a good window of opportunity to start practicing different ways if you want to mm. of settling into sleep or improving their overall sleep. That's really reassuring to hear actually, because yeah, often around this regression, there's so much kind of negativity. And like you say, fear, people are really worried about it and really fearful of it. And I think it's yeah. useful just from listening to you, to you speak there, Rosie, is actually sleep isn't just this like one sort of line that we follow it really is peaks and troughs and ups and downs yes and, and we we you know often wake don't we especially if we're unwell or unsettled or we're staying in a hotel room we don't sleep as well um and actually we we shouldn't really expect our babies to just be completely linear when as adults we are yeah yeah I always say sleep is fluid so think of it like kind of like a flowing river um, and it's not always going to be calm. There's going to be times when it changes and there's twists and turns. And really, none of us completely sleep through the night. So no. we do go through sleep cycles between light and deep sleep. And we'll stir between those sleep cycles. And it might be that there's a partial arousal. So you kind of half wake up. You might fully wake up or you might just um, it might just be in you can't even notice you might see your partner or your baby just twitch or something um so for some babies they might wake between every sleep cycle and look for assistance from their parents um or others might um connect those sleep cycles themselves and reset for themselves um it's really variable it is so variable isn't it? and that's where that comparison is just yeah we? comparison is a thief of joy and it's so true when it comes to babies and sleep i think yeah can we bust a couple of myths really, yes. that we hear all the time? And I think mums listening, this is going to be super helpful and reassuring. First up, breastfeeding is stopping your baby sleeping better at night. I know this is one that lots of breastfeeding mums hear. That's a big, fat, false. <laughs> <laughs> a big, fat, false. So is it true to say in your experience and working with parents that actually mode of feeding has no impact on sleep I think that in certain circumstances if there's feeding challenges it can impact sleep but I think that on the whole if you look at it if I looked at um a sample of parents you know I've helped I would say 50 50 formula and breastfeeding breast milk I don't think there is a difference um anecdotally I think a lot of people will say 
that um, breastfed babies don't sleep, but there really isn't any evidence for that. Mm. Yeah, and it's the, so true. The evidence we do have, actually, there's a piece of research, um, is that um, after in the first couple of weeks, breastfed babies overall slept a little bit less. Um, but past the first few weeks, the, the waking patterns of babies are very, very similar. That's really good to hear for any mums that are breastfeeding, thinking actually maybe the breastfeeding is the thing that's that's kind of impacting sleep. But like you say, I guess a, a fed baby, however by whatever means, is going to probably sleep better than a hungry baby. So. Yeah, and actually, if you look at the calories in breast milk and formula, they're almost identical, mm. um, which is really interesting because I think kind of alongside that myth is the myth that breast milk isn't as filling, mm. and it's it's the same. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. So feed your baby by whatever, whatever mode yes. you've chosen without thinking that, that that is going to be your route to better or, or worse sleep. Yes. The other myth I wanted to bring up with you is, oh, I hate this one. It makes me really sad, <laughs> especially when parents believe it. Okay. But that is that we hear the term, you are spoiling your baby by picking them up and cuddling them all the time. So they will never learn to sleep alone. Oh, it's so sad. And I've heard so many parents tell me that people have told them this and then later they just regret, like, just agonising over it. It's mm. part of human nature to cuddle our babies and nurture them and be close to them. There's so many benefits to it. The oxytocin, our love hormone is created when we're close to one another. Um, even things like they benefit from the bacteria on our skin. Mm. Um, we pass bacteria between one and e each other to help our immune systems. This is it, it's honestly fascinating. But in terms of sleep, honestly, don't worry about it, please. You can't coddle them too much. The only time I would say is if, like, if you are deciding, right, we are in an unsustainable situation where I'm waking up numerous times a night I'm not coping and I want them to sleep in their cots then maybe you might be like right instead of um cuddling to sleep I might cuddle to sleepy and then the next night I might just hold to sleep then I might put them in their cot and put my hands on them this kind of thing we can gradually work on improving a situation but absolutely you can't cuddle your baby too much or hold them too much or love them too much they cannot manipulate you that's just not a thing they don't have that prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain which is responsible for manipulation. That part is not developed. And it's actually not fully developed until I think we're age 21. Um, but I'm not, <laughs> that's, that's, not saying, right. <laughs> that's not saying a teenager can't manipulate you, but babies absolutely cannot manipulate you then and they can't be spoiled. And I love that because it's such an important message. I think it's something that certainly in my parents, my gen my grandparents' generation was was a real belief you know that this little person could manipulate you and that yeah if you were cuddling them you were spoiling them but oh my goodness these babies grow so quickly just cuddle them it's, who doesn't want to cuddle yeah. a newborn baby they're just beautiful yeah thank you rosie so yes lots of lots of ways that mums can start to relax about what's what they're doing for them and their baby because the chances are they're doing a bloody amazing job and it's really really tough so we need to be patting new mums on their back not filling their minds with these awful absolutely now everyone that comes on the podcast rosie i asked for three top tips so i wonder if you could share three top tips to parents who are struggling with their little one sleep and give them some some hope for better sleep in the future i guess <laughs> okay so there's three key things 
I want to talk about. And there are things I always talk about, actually, when we're looking at a sleep challenge. So number one, sleep environment. So reassess your sleep environment. Is there some way, and that's just meaning where your baby sleeps, or if your baby's under six months or perhaps beyond that, you might be sleeping with them. Um, so can you make it darker? That's normally really helpful, especially as we move into spring, summer, as it's lighter in the mornings, trying to, a lot of people struggle with early waking or getting their babies to settle at bedtime blacking it out making sure it's not too hot so um ideally sort of you want it between sort of 17 and 21 degrees I know we can't always control it um so it might be a little bit variable um are they comfortable in their sleep space appropriately dressed so you know not too many layers but enough that kind of thing and as I spoke about earlier on the light kind of um during the night and things like that so that kind of is sleep environment maybe white noise there's lots of things we can utilize but just have a step back and have a think about is there something we could do um then have a look at routine so routine is my my number two tip so first of all don't fixate on it don't get really stressed about it if it's stressful just be like right take a deep breath and let's just see what we want to do for the day and see what happens. Yeah. But if you are somebody who um, really feels like they need and they want a routine, try and start your day roughly the same time each day. So it doesn't have to be bang on like 7am, but you might have a window, for example, of 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning and trying to start your day within that window. And I know, especially if it's your first child, and I had this with my first, I remember sometimes if we'd had a rough night, we might not start the day till kind of nine o'clock in the morning. So we've been up for hours in the night. Um, so it can be tricky, but I think it's really helpful to try and um, anchor our internal body clocks, our circadian rhythms, by having a rough kind of routine. And if you start the day at roughly the same time, sometimes those nap times become easier to predict because you can think, right, my baby, look at your baby. You can think my baby is happily awake for a couple of hours and then they need a nap. So you, you then you kind of get a rhythm to your day. So look at routine, make sure they're not sleeping too much during the day where you've got night and day confused, but enough that they're happy, they're well rested, they're happy between their naps and that kind of thing. So routine, getting it nice and balanced. And then the third one, and I think this is where things become more controversial, is settling, how they settle, and working on something that's sustainable for you. And one of the things, I talk about this a lot in my book, and just generally, everyone's um, everyone has a different level of sleep deprivation that they can handle, and things might feel sustainable to one person and not to another. So please remember that everyone is different. We have a different approach. For some people, safe co-sleeping might be a great answer. Um, waiting it out. Even if you do nothing, your baby sleep will improve. Um, but you might be someone who says, I just need to work on this. And that is OK. And finding a solution to gradually, gently, lovingly change the boundaries of how your baby falls asleep can really, really help some people. So reassessing that, having a chat with your partner, if you have one or friends and family, see how you feel about it and see if you do want to get support, please get support. Mm, I love that taking all of that guilt away from what you choose to do for you and your baby because yeah. like you say no no journey is the same we are all so unique which is what makes us human beings so 
Thank you so much, Rosie. You are a sleep god. And for anyone listening who's thinking, actually, yeah, sleep is a challenge or perhaps you're pregnant and it's something that you are worried about, um, head over to the episode description where you can find Rosie's book, which is available for pre-order now, which is very, very exciting. So thank you, Rosie. Thank you so much for having me. Before you head off, I just need to tell you something. 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button. So can you do me a favor if you have ever enjoyed listening and hit subscribe now? It makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.